Hello and welcome to the Agora podcast, brought to you by Macropolis. I'm Nick Malkoutsis, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Phoebe Fronista, for this episode. Hi, Phoebe. Hi, Nick. It's great to be here for what will be our penultimate episode of the year. That's right. And uh, what a difficult testing year it's been, huh? Yeah, I want to forget it already. Yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, uh, everyone would agree with you on that one. Although, you know, saying that, uh, there is one moment that perhaps I would like to remember from this year. Mm, I think I know what you're thinking of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, But let's put our listeners in the picture. So it's a sunny October morning in Athens, and thousands of people have gathered outside a courthouse. Uh, not far from the city centre, to hear the verdict in the trial of the far-right party, Golden Dawn. Some are perhaps fearing the worst, that after being allowed to act with impunity, intimidating, attacking and even killing people over several years, Golden Dawn's leadership and some of its members will escape serious punishment. But then the crowd hears a voice on a loudspeaker telling them that the defendants have been found guilty of forming and running a criminal organization. The political party that attracted hundreds of thousands of votes to become Greece's third largest force in parliament has been deemed by Greek law to be nothing more than a gang of neo-Nazi thugs. The crowd's reaction is electric. You know, Phoebe, listening to that now, more than two months later, whatever it is, still gives me goosebumps. But you were actually in the thick of it. What was it like? You know, at first, I wasn't too thrilled to go. Um, I was thinking about COVID and all those people together and possible riots. But the minute I walked onto the street and saw my colleagues again that I've reported side by side with on this beat for over eight years through torchlit rallies and Greeks only food handouts and getting cussed out by the Golden Dawn lawmakers at Parliament and then at the police station when they got arrested and And now everybody was there next to tens of thousands of regular citizens. This was before this current second lockdown, and there was a huge turnout. The feeling was euphoric, like it was everybody's birthday or something. And then when when the mother of murdered rapper Pavlos Fisas, Magda, came out of the courtroom with with her hands in the air, shouting hoarsely over and over again, My Pavlos, you did it, son, you did it.
it's like a weight was collectively lifted off of our shoulders that we didn't know we were carrying. A really moving moment there, the mother of Pablo Fisas uh, uh, shouting out to the crowd outside. No matter how many times you hear it, it really uh, gets you. Uh, of course, this moment of joy or relief, depending on what people were feeling out there in the the crowd was uh, short-lived. Within seconds of the decision being announced, there were scuffles and the police were firing their water cannons at the gathered crowd. Many recriminations followed with the police and the government being accused of heavy-handed behaviour and an intention to cut short this moment of collective expression. What was your take there, Phoebe? I, I was expecting something to happen at some point because I'd seen what I guess the police had also seen, that you know the black-clad youths or self-styled anarchists, as we call them, you know their backpacks were full they they were they were going to celebrate that was clear but you know people were still cheering the guilty verdicts were still being read out and suddenly there was just a mess you know tear gas water cannons people were running and from what i could see what triggered it were just a few plastic water bottles thrown at the police Uh, and what happened, of course, it really highlighted the persistent division and polarization within Greek society that Golden Dawn was actually able to take advantage of at the height of the country's economic crisis, entering parliament in 2012 with almost 7% of the national vote. More than 420,000 Greeks, and it's easy to forget this, voted for Golden Dawn then in 2012 but 390,000 backed the far-right party in the 2015 general elections, even though by that stage they knew about the murder of Pablo Fisas, who we've mentioned, and uh, Shazad Lukman, a 27-year-old worker from Pakistan who was stabbed to death in 2013. The conviction of the party's leader, Nikos Mikhailiakos, and several former MPs has perhaps provided a tidy ending to this nightmare. Even the fact that the party's number two, Christos Papas, is on the run, is being downplayed in uh, Greece largely. And of course, another convicted lawmaker, Yanis Lagos, is still walking free in Brussels, getting his MEP's uh, salary, as his parliamentary immunity hasn't been lifted yet by the European Parliament. But again, all this is a little, you know, pushed to the side. There is this tendency to wrap the story up with uh, the trial. There's this feeling in Greece that we should draw a line under what was a very ugly, nasty period and move on. But here at the Agora, we don't want to do that. Nope. Uh, Partly because that just lets hundreds of thousands of voters off the hook. Like it was, you know, a one-off fluke. But there's so much more about the rise of Golden Dawn that needs to be examined. For example, 
How did this party come out of the tiny hole it had been living in for decades to become Greece's third biggest party at one stage, as you mentioned? Also, why did Greeks keep on voting for Golden Dawn even after they saw what kind of brutality it was capable of? And what are the lessons that we can draw from this experience? Could it happen again? They're all great questions and uh, should very much be at the forefront of our thinking, despite the uh, conviction of the Golden Dawn leadership and mem members just a, a couple of months ago. And that's why I spoke to an expert on the far right and Golden Dawn, Daphne Halikopoulou, who's a professor of comparative politics at the University of Reading in the UK. We discussed all these issues that you mentioned, Phoebe, and she has some really interesting responses to the questions that you've posed. Hold that thought. Before we hear from Daphne, just to highlight how important this court case was, let's hear first from Ioana Meitani. She's the coordinator of Golden Dawn Watch, this organization that live tweeted every single day of the trial, uh, writing down everything that was said by anyone in court every single day. You know, Phoebe, I remember seeing their tweets when the court was in session, you know, seeing them go past on, on the Twitter feed uh, and dipping in to find out what was being said. It was a real public service they were offering in many ways. Oh, absolutely. Almost no media organization in Greece had the manpower to have a reporter sitting in court every day. Okay, let's hear what Ioana had to say about this historic trial for which she and her colleagues had literally front row seats. The inspiration came from Germany and from an organization called NSU Watch, uh, which was um, uh, monitoring the trial of a of a far-right terror organization in Germany, NSU, uh, which had um, killed 10 people. I'm with Joanna near her office in Petralona, and she's describing how she, a translator of German, formed Golden Dawn Watch along with several other friends. We knew that it was going to be one of the biggest trials in the Greek legal history, let's say, and in the recent history. And also it was, a, it was very important that um, on trial were uh, members of parliament. We, we thought we should uh, focus on this trial and make it known. Uh, it was quite, um, quite uh, soon it became clear that uh, the, the court itself would not uh, give, would not publish the minutes and also it was quite clear that the uh, that the greek media would not give so much attention to the trial as they should so we formed this initiative golden dawn watch um, and we decided to be present uh, on uh, each on every single day of the trial and document what was being said into, in court, um, document it objectively, just write down what was, what was being said, and what was 
um, interesting, I think, uh, in what we did is that we also uh, wrote down what, you know, reactions from the public or if, if something happened like um, the Golden Donors would throw a bottle to the to some um, witnesses or would protest in, in court or make noise and so on. All these have been written down. So we started, you know, tweeting from inside the court. So we had a group of lawyers that would go each day into court. We wanted them to be lawyers, these, these people monitoring the trial, because they could better understand the legal terms and the how the trial was going on and so on. And they were tweeting from inside the, the courtroom. There was a back office um, um, editing what they were sending and tweeting. Just a few blocks from where Ioana and I are meeting, in 2013, two Golden Dawn supporters stabbed to death a 27-year-old migrant from Pakistan, Shazad Lukman, who was riding his bike to work at a fruit market one morning. That murder was nine months before the killing of Greek anti-fascist rapper Pavlos Fisas, which kick-started the political and legal backlash against the group. However, at the time of Shazad's killing, the group was still riding high from their entry into Greek parliament in 2012. They had openly committed acts of violence, not only in the shadows, but in front of cameras, trashing migrant stalls at a festival, hitting a female lawmaker on a morning show. I I actually saw her the next day. It was still campaign season and she was holding a rally. The bruise on her cheek was still visible, but their voters were unfazed. How, how did you, as a Greek citizen, how did you view the rise of, of Golden Dawn? I was uh, terrified. <laughs> I was shocked and terrified. It was a threat for people, for bodies, and it was also a threat for democracy because those guys went into parliament saying that they want to demolish the parliament, that they want to demolish democracy. They they had quite a high resonance in in Greek society and also in the church. Uh, Parts of the church um, supported them, and through the church... The church was kind of an amplifier for them because when um, when a priest um, is saying that the guys in black, that's how they call them, the, the guys in black, um, are good people and they help us and so on, and, and is preaching this to people going to church, to elderly people and so on, it is like, you know, gaining voters for them. It was something, you know, we were uh, hearing in the news about attacks at migrants and so on, and we got used to it. And this was worrying and terrifying for me, that the Greek society got used to it. And um, a part of it also expected it, that migrants would be hit and uh, stabbed and so on. The trial against Golden Dawn focused on four separate charges, the most significant of which was whether Golden Dawn was not just a political party, but also a criminal organization. Can you share with us some, some of the high and low lights 
of, uh, of the trial? Like, what were some of the most uh, intense moments? Yeah. There were very intense moments when some witnesses were called before court, like the uh, mother and father of uh, Pavlos Fisas, very emotional, and uh, this could, one say, were, was a highlight of the trial. I myself was present when the, when, when the killer of Pavlos Fisas, Georgos Rupakas, was called to testify before court. He twisted the... Um, his version of the of what happened was very twisted. <laughs> he he said that he claimed that um, Pavlos fell on his knife, and then also turned on the knife so that the stab was uh, was deadly. I mean, and to hear these things from a man who has cold-bloodedly stabbed someone. Um, was uh, quite challenging, and I remember, you know, all we were we were very it it was very emotional for us. And when we went out of court, we, we all said, you know, let's go for a drink because we are quite shocked. And if people like us were shocked by it. You can imagine how the family of, uh, of the victim, of Pavlos, was feeling because they were there. The face of the trial was, for many Greeks, the grieving, stoic mother of Pavlos Fisas, Magda. What was very impressive was that she was there every single day. She didn't just come to testify. She didn't just come when the killer of her son was testifying. She was there every single day. Okay, she might have missed some, uh, but she was there. She showed interest for the trial itself and not only for the case of the, of the murder of her son, because the trial consisted of four cases. One of them was the murder of uh, Pavlos Fisas. The second case was um, a very serious attack on Egyptian fishermen uh, who left behind a very severely injured uh, man. And the third case was uh, the attack on a group of, uh, of unionists of the Communist Party of Greece who were uh, severely beaten up by, the, by Golden Donors. And the, f- the fourth case, and the most important of them, was the case against Golden Donors and Organization with the accusation that they operated um, in a way of um, criminal organization. And I, I remember when that, when that charge was, was uh, announced that a lot of people and, and legal scholars said they, that's, a, that's a far more difficult thing to prove. Um, yes, the, this was the impression at the beginning and also through the years the impression was that uh, the case was not well, the charges were not well documented, uh, uh, that they were very difficult to prove and so on. What kept us together and kept us going strong all these years was the, we really believed that there was a very strong case against Golden Dawn as an organization. Um, what was impressive uh, in terms of um, evidence were some uh, videos that uh, the civil action, well, 
the state had also this material, but the civil action um, worked with it on a more structured way. And there were videos from the computers of the defendants, uh, private videos, um, showing them, you know, having small talk about Jews and talking about Jews like, um, you know, and then they took the train and uh, um, went to have some fun when talking about, you know, Jews being deported to Auschwitz and so on. Um, also some videos of um, of rituals that Golden Dawn used to do uh, for new members. Mm-hmm. Um, some videos from um, um, what they called um, education of new members, you know, when they taught them how to shoot or how to obey and so on. Um, This was quite impressive as evidence. I found very interesting the way that they presented themselves in court, the defendants themselves, um, because when the time came for them to, to speak before, to testify before court for themselves, um, it was, the whole evidence had been, you know, shown. And I think they knew themselves that they were going down, that they would be in a way convicted. So they had completely lost their arrogance and their strength that they used to have. Um, and they were like small kids that had done, you know, um, um, misdemeanor, how do you say? <laughs> um, they were like, uh, please, um, Mrs. Judge, don't be very uh, strict on me. And also you could see others like Elias Kasidiaris, who did not lose his arrogance to the last moment and who also was arrogant towards the court. Do you think that this, this flirtation, let's say, with the far right that the Greek public had, mm. do you think that it was just that and they were just, you know, reacting in that so many people, you know, voted for them, like almost 400,000 people, I yeah. think, in 2012. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that there is a danger of this happening again? Or do you think it was just a just a thing that happened with the, the whole anti-bailout sentiment and all, and the crisis and all that? I mean... No, I think that the, the danger is here. I think it is... Um, <laughs> uh, we... We are not over with them. We're not over with the far right just because the um, le- the leadership of Golden Dawn is in jail. Of course, Golden Dawn was the main party of the far right in the far right spectrum for many years. Um, also, before they were uh, in, they got into parliament. They were the main pole of the far right in Greece. Um, now they are, we've, we're done with them in a political way, because um, it was very important that Golden Dawn was uh, declared as a uh, criminal organization because the party is falling apart. I don't know if it's going to be banned or not. This is another step and another procedure. And I don't know if the, if the state will uh, start these procedures. But it's also not very relevant, I think. Um, but the their ideas and the way they look at life is there and the fertile ground for such ideas is there 
And I think it is very deeply rooted in Greek society. Um, I mean, conservatism, conservative ideas, um, racism, um, sexism, um, also anti-Semitism. They are deeply rooted. And, you know, it takes um, a good leader or a good idea or a good or a part in or organization with an attractive profile to attract so many voters. Um, it was not just the crisis that uh, fed them. Uh, or let's put it in another way, the crisis fed them, but the, the ground was fertile. Okay, but, but to bring it back to the trial, for one, yeah. uh, one last question, let's say, that maybe is a little more hopeful than what you've been telling me. Now, <laughs> uh, do, do you think that, that, that this trial and what happened throughout it and your work in it, do you think that Greek democracy was strengthened by the whole process and the verdict? Yes, I do. I think that the trial was very important and the verdict was m much more important than... It, it was a really very important verdict and it will be for many, many years to come an example um, in Greece and also abroad, I think, uh, of how the um, how justice can be given and how uh, the judiciary can do its job and um, how you can fight on the legal level against such an organization. That the, the fight against the far right has many levels. It has the street level, it has the legal level, it has the institutional level, the political level. So on the legal level, um, we had the maximum effect we, we could get. So it is really a triumph. <laughs> I, I am not um, like um, maybe I'm not uh, that uh, <laughs> um, expressive. I'm not that expressive, and maybe the, this whole joy has uh, settled down a bit uh, after two months. Um, but it was it was a very big triumph, and um, I'm proud that we had the chance to contribute to it even a bit. Great, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>
Yeah, that's right. I caught up with uh, Professor Daphne Halikopoulou from the University of Reading. She's actually written a book on the subject we're discussing. It's called The Golden Dawn's Nationalist Solution, Explaining the Rise of the Far Right in Greece. And the co-author of that book is Sofia Vasilopoulou. Sounds awesome. Let's hear what you two discussed. Okay, here we go. Daphne, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the Agora podcast. Um, in October, an Athens court deemed Golden Dawn to be a criminal gang. Now, given the activities of the party's leadership and members, uh, I don't think any right-minded person would argue with the decision. But clearly, Golden Dawn was more than that. How would you describe or define this party, this organization, whatever we want to call it, which became such a prominent and painful part of Greece's public life in the previous decade? Right. So firstly, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and so second, about the Golden Dawn itself, I think that's an interesting question. It's something that I myself have tackled uh, in my book with my, my co-author, Sofia Vasilopoulou. We looked extensively at the party and its materials. And so I think it's one of these European far-right parties that can be clearly labelled as uh, fascist or neo-Nazi. And we don't say that just because the members uh, or the leading cadres were found with Nazi paraphernalia in their homes. I think that's certainly one thing. But most importantly, I think it's a fascist or neo-Nazi party because it fulfills clearly the criteria of this type of party. So the Golden Dawn is um, a criminal organization, yes, and it's been indicted uh, for that, but it's also a political party that maintains a hierarchical structure um, and that it emphasizes first and foremost and above everything um, the importance of, of, of the nation and the ethnic group. Um, they use violence, they believe violence is really important in actually maintaining their um, their ideology and, and, and spreading it, so it's an integral part of their organization, not just something that they support. Um, and they also believe in the in the classic fascist idea of uh, cleansing the nation from the internal and external enemy. So the internal enemies being um, the, the the elites and collaborators, and the external enemies being obviously um, anyone who is of non Greek origin. So I, I think I would clearly describe that party as as fascist and neo Nazi for this reason. Okay. Um, uh... We've got a good handle now on what this party was. Before we speak more about Golden Dawn's trial, uh, let's talk about the party's rise. It went from being a virtual non-entity or on the fringes of the sort of political uh, world in, in Greece to the third largest party in Greek parliament in a very short period. What, in your view, fueled this rise? Was it the economic crisis? Was it immigration? Was it the anti-establishment trend? Or was there something else going on? So, um, so it's an interesting question. The economic crisis has been a, a very commonly used explanation that's been going around. But Honestly, I'm skeptical of that, or at least I'm skeptical that the economic crisis is the only reason. Um, and that is because my my thinking, in a way, functions comparatively. And so when the Golden Dawn started getting um, 
a lot of votes in Greece and, and, and I started researching this. Uh, the first thing that I did was to look at other cases, similar countries that experience um, similar uh, economic crisis conditions and notably these are Spain and Portugal right so bailout countries high levels right. of unemployment laggards of the European Union and yet they didn't exhibit the rise mm -hmm. of a party like the Golden Dawn so I, I think that the economic crisis alone can't explain why this 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 phenomenon happened I think we need to look at something else or something additional uh, and again in, in in my book I I covered this quite extensively and what we did through a comparison of Greece Portugal and Spain so the countries that should have all had this phenomenon precisely because they had the economic crisis um we found that uh, levels of unemployment were high across the board. Um, these countries also had, as I said, bailout conditions. They experienced the severity of, of the economic crisis. But what was different in, in, in Spain and Portugal is that the political system itself did not implode. Uh, so I think that the big difference in Greece is that the economic crisis culminated into a broader crisis of democracy and of of political representation in a way that it didn't in other cases. Now that could be for a variety of reasons, right? It could be because the type of political system that was established after the restoration of democracy was, was weak itself. It was premised on institutions that really couldn't withstand the kind of shock that the institution, that the, sorry, that the economic crisis um, created. So if you look at some data, for example, if you look at uh, levels of trust in institutions or more broadly, um, trust in the capacity of the state to deliver on its social contract obligations, you'll see that in Greece these were much lower than they were in other countries that experienced economic crisis. So in, in a nutshell, I think that what happened in Greece is that the economic crisis triggered a lot of anger and it, it, it triggered um, a sense among the citizens that basically the state was unable to deliver on its social contract obligations and hence people voted for the Golden Dawn, if you like, not despite its extremism, but because of it, in a protest vote, in an anti-systemic vote, to show this anger against mm. the establishment. It's certainly something you heard at the time, that uh, people going to vote for Golden Dawn to get back at the system that had failed them, in a sense. Exactly. Um, now, uh, looking at another aspect of it, what what share of the responsibility for the growth in support for Golden Dawn should we apportion to the mainstream parties and media? And here I'm thinking of ways in which politicians may have pandered to Golden Dawn or examples of the media seeing the party and its key figures as celebrities or good for viewing figures. One example that comes to mind is the incident during the 2012 election campaign when one of the party's frontmen Ilias Casidiaris uh, threw water at one female MP and slapped another on a live talk show on TV. That incident became viral and instead of setting off alarm bells, it seemed to encourage some media to keep giving Golden Dawn and its representatives a platform. How much of a factor was this in the party's rise? I think it's definitely a factor in the party's entrenchment. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not so sure about the rise itself, because as I said, I think there are some, some very important structural conditions that basically allow 
parties like the Golden Dawn uh, to, to gain power in, in, in situations of whatever, of, of political or democratic crisis, etc. But the point you're referring to is, is, is really important in that it, it helped, it facilitated the entrenchment of this party because it, it created this sort of environment of legitimization of violence. I, I remember encounters, encountering similar um, discussions myself where people said, well, you know, it, it, it's okay because the others were no better. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fine to vote for this party because it's against the establishment. And sometimes if we need to employ violence for that, then that's okay. So I think if yeah. this kind of attitude is, is normalized and legitimized, not just by the media, but also by the other political actors, then obviously, um, you know, you, you have this mechanism of mimesis, if you like. So mm -hmm. it, it becomes mimetic. So people think it, it's okay. It's, it can't be that bad because others are voting for it. Others are supporting it. So then it's it, it's acceptable. Um, and so I, I do think that it, it, it did contribute uh, definitely into the, the, the entrenchment uh, of this party. And I, I actually think it points out also to to the big question um which is how come how come we knew that this party was violent and we didn't do anything until mm -hmm. after Pablo Svisas was murdered until mm -hmm. after almost six years of trial because the the truth is that the mainstream parties did know um and the voters themselves they did know that this party would go out in broad daylight or the members of this party would would go out in broad daylight and actually um beat people up and yeah. nobody said anything. So I, I, I do think that it is a, a, a big problem. It's also an institutional problem and something that we do need to address. It, it, it's something that only really seemed to do, dawn on us once the, the trial had uh, begun, which is obviously too late for uh, Pablos Fisas and the other victims of Golden Dawn. Um, it, just to take a step back from that, we mentioned how Golden Dawn rose to become Greece's third largest party, gained seats in Parliament, how it became entrenched and uh, in a way accepted. Why was it unable to capitalise politically on its on this strong footing it created? Because it was uh, extreme of the extreme, I think, if you mean, I think, so in a way, what parties like the Golden Dawn can do uh, is have this, you know, dramatic rise and then create a lot of a lot of talk around it, and and that is certainly politically influential. But what it can't do is it can't it can't enter coalitions, it can't um, it can't join other parties in, in 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 you know in common ventures. Like for example, if you look at, at, at the the far right parties in, in in Western Europe that tend to be successful, they're the more moderate ones. And they have a very different way of in, infiltrating policy, right? Precisely because they are seen as, as more moderate, they don't employ violence, they distance themselves from fascism. So these types of parties they can they can join coalition governments. Um they can basically bring other parties into their political arena, if you know what I mean. The Golden Dawn couldn't do that because it was extreme. So it, it is a victim of its extremism in a way. On the one hand, it managed to get that circa 7% of the vote, um, yeah. which is shocking and surprising, um, but it did. But on the other hand, it never was able to to really have more political influence beyond that or to get to get more votes beyond that because that, that that's how much an extreme party can get. That that's the nature of, of being anti anti establishment. But that's precisely also why it continued to operate on the streets. 
So it's sort of unadulterated nature in a sense was what held it back, but maybe someone else looking at that might be able to learn the lessons in the future when we're talking about how the hard right or far right in, in, in Greece might uh, progress. Um, before before we analyze that a bit further, I wanted to, to ask you, and this is going a, a bit back to, to what you said before, um, the, the trial, the decision to um, uh, deem Golden Dawn to be a criminal organization leading to a number of its high-profile uh, leadership and members being uh, sentenced to jail, it was presented as a victory for Greek democracy and the country's institution. It's also been seen by some commentators, analysts, as a partial, uh, at least, correction of the mistakes made by the establishment in previous years. Uh, is that your interpretation as well? First and foremost, I think it is indeed a victory for, for Greek democracy, and we can't undermine that. It's it's a victory of the rule of law, um, and it has both institutional, I think, and, and, and symbolic implications, right? So first, it vindicates everybody who has suffered somehow from the doings of this party, and second, it also shows that despite the crisis and despite the weakness um, of Greek institutions, everything I mentioned earlier, they, they do work and they are independent. And, and, and when the situation comes to this, um, they can indeed indict an organization of this of this sort. So I don't think that the decision should be underestimated. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I do think that it is very important to emphasize that it is just a first step. Um, And so first, the very fact that this party was allowed to roam free and and perpetrate violent acts in broad daylight, nobody did nothing, is worrying. I think second, it does mean that there is is latent support for this type of politics. And this hasn't gone away. It hasn't disappeared. So maybe we should take a step back as a country and and try to understand why almost 500,000 of our fellow citizens voted for this party, not not despite, but perhaps because of its violent nature uh, and, and, and whether these conditions have gone away completely, right? And I think unless we do take a look at that and ponder and, and, and reflect on that, um, golden dawns are always possible. On, on this point, now, uh, some people have interpreted the, the conviction of golden dawn as a heavy blow to the far right in Greece. Yet just a few days later, a poll by a local polling firm, Pro Rata, a few days after the decision that is indicated, the poll indicated that 21% of Greeks felt Golden Dawn would have been, quote, useful to society if it stuck, quote, exclusively to its ideas and political proposals. Now, maybe it's a bit of a convoluted question and you can't necessarily uh, draw too many conclusions from it. But are you also under the impression that there's still fertile ground in Greece for the extreme right? And if there is, what would it take for a new golden dawn to emerge? One which perhaps won't be as uh, brutal or unadulterated as the, the previous version. Are we looking for uh, out for a political entrepreneur, a completely new movement, perhaps even a splinter group from the ruling centre-right New Democracy Party? 
Yeah. Okay. So I think there's two questions here. So let me try yeah. and address them in, in the order that I, I can I can conceptualize them. So first, um, with regards to to the latent support, I was not at all surprised to hear to, to, to hear this 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 poll. Not mm. at all. It's really consistent with a lot of the findings that that I have come across while researching the party in the past quite many years now. Um, and so I think. I think there are two, two two issues here with regards to this latent support. The first is nationalism. Um, and what is interesting about the Golden Dawn is that is that it put forward some extreme version of nationalist ideas that are already very much embedded and and and, and accepted by, by by the broader basis of the population, right? So if you look, we looked extensively at, at their um at their online materials. And the things that they say, though the, actually the the elements of Greek nationalism that they try to draw on, um these are not preposterous for, for Greeks. This is what we learn in our education system, is what we learn from our families about about our, our motherland and you know the country and and, and, and a lot of a, a long array of historical um figures, heroes, Greek independence and and, and and you name it. So what in a way what they managed to do is 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 link these nationalist ideas to some kind of crisis basically putting forward this idea that you know that we we used to be great and then these awful foreigners came and now we are we are terrible but with the right nationalist leaders we will be great again and and and, and i fear that these nationalist ideas um are are part of that latent support so i think the problem is very much deeply rooted um so that that's that that's the first and that's why i'm not surprised at all i mean i think that there is an underlying uh nationalism in in, in the way that the 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 generally people vote in other words nationalism is salient in mm -hmm. people's vote it's just that mm -hmm. the golden dawn put forward an extreme form of that um and then secondly is is the question of this type of political crisis so there is and maybe that's also linked to greek nationalism right there is this this part of the idea that um anti-system politics violence is okay under mm -hmm. certain circumstances I, I, in any case you know the greek psyche um does not tolerate these types of impositions and so i think implicitly as well it means that if we are going to have impositions from outside or if we're going to have some sort of of imposition that seeks to diminish our nation it's okay to be violent and this is exactly the point that you made in the beginning as well about the media and about um about the mainstream it's the idea of legitimizing violence under certain circumstances so i think that as long as these this type of latent support exists a political party may be able to capitalize uh on this uh it doesn't take long if you, if you were taking an educated guess and being an expert in in this area i'm sure it would be a very educated guess would you uh expect uh, so, some party or some movement to emerge on, on in the on the sort of far right of the Greek political spectrum in the in the coming months or years. I mean, so the, the short answer, and it, it was it was part of the second thing I was going to say. The short answer yeah. is, is yes, and I don't think that that mm. that is um, particularly special to Greece. I mean, I think that it, it's got to do with political opportunities. If you look at, at, at the situation across Europe, there are political parties on, on, on the right wing of the spectrum that are emerging or that are gaining uh, quite a lot of votes, capitalizing on a variety of, 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 of um, popular grievances, including economic discontent, cultural discontent, um, all sorts of other 
um, all, all sorts of other problems that, that people have and blame it on on on, on the establishment. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if another far right party uh, did emerge in Greece. And I think I think we focus on the Golden Dawn precisely because of its extremism. And we think it's really shocking that a Nazi party could enter our parliament. But if you look at it a bit more broadly, I mean, we also had Laos, we had the independent Greeks. So it, it's not new. We have had uh, far-right parties. And and in a way, it's interesting that the Golden Dawn, precisely because really, I think they were Nazis, um, they didn't think in a political entrepreneurship kind of way to try and moderate their party. I think it may have even boomed even more electorally. And, and so perhaps someone um, with trying to moderate these ideas could actually do do better electorally, um, I fear. Mm. Well, and, and even now we have a ultra-nationalist party, the party led by Kyriakos uh, Velopoulos, which, uh, okay, may, maybe not, uh, doesn't have a, a, a presence on the street in the way that Golden Dawn uh, had but is espouses some very uh, uh, dangerous and conspiracy theory laden views and is now seems to be uh, heading into the sort of anti-vaxxer uh, territory as well but very uh, um, uh, extreme views on issues like immigration I mean these things are being heard in in, in Greek parliament even now exactly Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. not new. Yeah. And, and it could it could happen. The question is, I mean, I think the thing is, some of these figures, you know, they're quite fringe. So they may mm. capture a, a sort of a small percentage. I mean, the, the question is, um, what kind of political entrepreneur, entrepreneur, if you like, would be able to, to take these ideas and actually uh, create a, a more mass party, a bigger party that, that will be able to compete electorally and, and in a way um, um, sort of you know, a drag party competition towards yeah. it. And I think that's more difficult. Yeah. Would, would it have to be a sort of Salvini type? I mean, obviously, in the previous years, he was kind of the, 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 the model that everyone looked to. But would it would it have to be someone someone like that? Someone um, uh, sort of with a, with a little bit of uh, charisma and just able to tap into some kind of sentiment, strong public sentiment? Yeah, it could it, it it could be it could be mm. or I mean it or it could be uh, just somebody um, that is, is is better able to capitalize on a broad range of insecurities. I mean, there are many different models of successful far right parties across Europe. Um, but the one thing that I can say that is very different from the Golden Dawn between those and the Golden Dawn is that they they utilize a much different type of nationalism. That is not based on 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 sort of blood and creed and things that we are born with. Instead, they are saying, um, you know, we exclude those who are intolerant of us. So they use an ideological rather than biological justific justification of national belonging. Um, and so I don't know if that model would work in Greece. Okay, so Daphne, to finish off our discussion, if Greece is going to contain the far right and i know that's not necessarily uh, uh, um, you know there the particular sort of tools or methods uh, to doing it but what lessons should it be taking from the nasty experience it had with golden dawn over uh, the recent years i'll answer this question by by sharing with you what i think has shocked me mm -hmm. um in the aftermath of the trial Okay. And that is the enduring nature 
of the polarization of the Greek political system. So I think I, as a as a sort of observer, right from from outside, I've been I was looking at the trial and and immediately everybody was extremely happy. So I thought, okay, you know that's that's really that's really positive. But very soon the initial jubilations became something sort of. Anyone on the left was really happy, but anyone on the right was happy, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 there was this issue about, oh, but, but, but when are we going to indict somebody else? And, you know, and, it, and then we have the poll that you mentioned. And so I think that this, this shows me um, that in a way, what should be a victory for Greek democracy quickly became an appropriation of the left. So if you're on the left, you don't like the Golden Dawn, but perhaps if you're not on the left, you have reservations, um, which shows how deeply divided Greece, I think, continues to be along left-right lines. And I I don't think that that is a very good um, recipe for overcoming um, sort of anything hardcore on on, on either uh, sides of the spectrum, right? I think that countries that are very deeply politically polarized tend to produce um, this type of politics. If we couple that now with... uh, you know, potential crisis, because crisis can always be around the corner. Now we have COVID. I mean, we don't know what kind of economic implications are going to come out of that. Um, It does look like there's going to be some economic hardship. You have the question of the weakness of the institutions that that has not been, it hasn't been solved. And that is a very much a structural and a long-term situation, plus the sort of um, nationalism that that is still latent and, and, and underlying. So I, I think that all these things are are, are potential recipe for um, for far right, but also anti-establishment or or, or radical uh, politics. And so I think to solve um, this is requires longer term solutions. It's not just something that you just have you know a court decision and that 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 sorts it out. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we began this podcast with the clip of um, the uh, the decision in the court case being announced to the crowd after uh, outside uh, the huge crowd that had gathered, which was obviously a sort of joyous moment, a moment of relief, depending you know how how, how you want to take it, which lasted literally seconds before the police were you know using tear gas or water cannons or whatever, and then that then descended into all-out battle on social media, you know, the, the politicians firing uh, at, at, at the, you know, angry words at each other. And f- for me, it, it just showed exactly what you mentioned, that this sort of polarisation that's very deeply rooted not only in the Greek political system, but also in the so- society, leaves such uh, little space for us coming together over anything, and obviously so much space for people who want to divide uh, Greeks, divide society and capitalize on that uh, space to maneuver. That's absolutely, that's absolutely right. But hopefully institutions also can influence political systems and it can influence the way people behave. So hopefully that this decision is the first step towards something uh, more concrete and more long, long term. Well, I think that's definitely the you know the positive that we we try to uh, draw from this. Daphne, thank you very much for your time and uh, discussing this uh, such an important issue for Greece going forward w- with us and providing us with your insight. Thanks for having me.
So that was Nick speaking to Daphne Halikopoulou, an expert in far-right politics and whose book I now want. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it'll be a very interesting read. And, you know, there are many things that you can take away from what she had to say. But perhaps the most significant thing is that we sh- really shouldn't fool ourselves. The jailing of Golden Dawn is not the end of the story. It might be the end of the chapter, but it's definitely not the end of the story as far as the far right in Greece is concerned. Yeah, and unfortunately, Golden Dawn Watch concurs, uh, which is actually why the group have now formed a new venture, a sort of observatory think tank called Simio or Signal in English. Uh, and they will be looking into how the far right in Greece moves on after the trial, because I, I guess they have to move on as well. Um, and that's simio.org.gr, and it's not in English just yet. But it is a, a sobering thought on which to end this podcast, which, as we mentioned, is the last but one of this crazy, crazy year. That's right. We've got one more in the works before 2020 is out, in which we hope to look at brace yourself, Brexit, but from a slightly Greek perspective. But we'll also be trying to focus on the enduring relationship between the two countries because the year is coming to the end and we don't want to depress you too much before 2021's (laughs) uh, even started. Uh, And in the meantime, remember, you can listen to previous episodes of the Agora on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And our wonderful music is all by the Burgundy Grapes. You can find out more about Macropolis at www.macropolis.gr, Macropolis with a C. And that's about it for this episode. Before we go, Phoebe, though, I'm going to ask you a favor. Can you play it one more time for me? Sure thing. (laughs) I think we all need to hear it once more before the year ends. (laughs) <laughs> okay here you go and bye bye from us bye bye <laughs>